All right. Well, the seven great I am's, there's something wrong with the top line of your piece of paper. What is wrong with this? The seven great I am's. Oh, somebody said it. Poor Pastor Stephen. He's dehydrated. He's got too many kids. He, seven, he's, he's saying the seven great I am's, and he's already on part eight. What in the world? <laughs> pray for him more, right? <laughs> all, all the ladies are going to come to prayer just to pray for me. <laughs> Out of pity. <laughs> well, as we did for the last seven weeks, the seven great I am's in the Gospel of John, chapter 6 of chapter 15, we find them all. We have spent the last seven weeks there. But the greatest I am is not found in the Gospel of John. I'm going to make that proclamation um, because it's given to the same person. Remember John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, wrote five books in the Bible, the Gospel of John, 1st and 2nd, 3rd John, and then, of course, the book of Revelation, which means to, it's the, uh, our word apocalypse, to, to unveil, to see which has been covered. So the last great I am, even though it's not the seven I am's of Christ, it is the eternal I am he's going to proclaim of himself in Revelation chapter 1. And I thought, you know what? I know there's only seven I am's, but I would hate to leave this series without looking at Revelation 1 because it's this great revelation that God gives to John even beyond the seven. So let's go to Revelation chapter 1. We're going to learn some new things from the word of God here, but I have to set this up. John is the oldest and last surviving apostle, the one who saw Jesus alive. He was a little younger than Jesus. This book is going to be written between 90 and 96 A.D. Yes, John is old. He is on the island of Patmos. Patmos is a rocky, marble-filled island that was the Alcatraz of the Roman Empire. They would take people, stick them on this 10-mile by 6-mile wide island and say, look, you're going to work in the, in the marble pits. You're not getting away. Try swimming, out, try swimming off of this one. And that's where they put him. Now, he was most probably put there because of the gospel. He was a pastor, moreover, a bishop of Ephesus, a large Roman providence. He was, uh, had a large ministry there. But also, some theologians even say that he went to the island to proclaim the gospel. I'd never even heard of that one. So which one was it? Both. Wherever John was, he was proclaiming Jesus, whether he was sent there by the Roman Empire. And remember, the Roman Empire didn't send him there. The Spirit of the Lord sent him there, not the Roman Empire. Who rules and reigns in this world is not the political powers, nor the military powers, but it is the sovereign hand of the living God. We know this because it starts off like that. Let's read uh, Revelation 1.1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which he gave his servants, excuse me, which he gave, which God gave him to show his servants. Are you his servant? Are you his servant? I mean, smile up and say, oh, yes. Bought by the blood, serving him since I was whatever. Last week, 50 years ago, I'm his servant. That's, that's the greatest badge I can wear. Now I'm going to tell you. If you're his servant, he has revelation for you. If you're his servant, he has revelation for you. This revelation is to show who? His servants. And he's got revelation for you. You know, we, we're talking about prayer and stuff. One of the reasons I love prayer so much is we'll get together with the guys in prayer. We'll be studying the scripture. They'll say something or I'll, we'll be praying something. And the Lord will show us something. He'll speak. That's revelation for us. So you are included in this group. 
Jesus is going to proclaim two great I am's. In verse 8, he says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. Y'all know that one. The first and the last, the one who is and was and was to come. And he ends it and he says, the Almighty. That means literally the hand that touches everything. So like I said, Paul, excuse me, John was there because the hand that touched everything put him on the island of Patmos. So let's pick this up, Revelation 1.9. The Almighty has put him there, the hand that touches everything, as verse 8 says. Verse 9, I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation and the kingdom and the patience of Jesus Christ was on the island of Patmos, excuse me, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet, a proclamation, right? That's what trumpets are, proclaiming, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in, what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. To Ephesus, he starts with what church? Where was he a pastor at? Ephesus. He starts with his church. To Ephesus. To Smyra, to Pergogma, Pergamus, excuse me, to Thyatira, to Sidus, Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw the seven golden lampstands, which are going to represent the church, and Jesus is walking in the midst of the church. Let me show you a picture here so we kind of know where this is in the world. If you look on the your right, your right, is Turkey, and on your left is Greece. There are a ton of islands all in that area. You see it's full of islands, and the one with the star right there, that is Patmos. And I don't know if you've got 20-20 vision, but if you do, and you just travel northeast, the first big city there is what? Ephesus. It's not far from where he was pastoring. They're going to stick him on the first Ship there and say, go off to your Alcatraz, and he's there. So let's learn some things from the Word of God. So that's where we are in the world. Let's look at this. Verse 9. I, John, both your brother, and he's going to say companion. The first thing John wants to proclaim to all the churches, because this is to seven churches in Asia, which are, if you, took that, if you took a clock and you made a circle like that, it would basically go over all the churches we just saw in that picture. But seven's a number of fulfillment. It's really speaking of all the churches throughout time and history, and this is way bigger than John can even understand, that we're going to be sitting here in 2019 in as a church of, the, of God right here. Here we are. Here you are. He wrote this to you. He wrote this to me, to the churches. Let me tell you what I want to, the churches to know, that I'm your brother. That church is a family. That church is a family. A family that loves each other. A family that does things together. That goes through good times and hard times. Christianity is not meant to be anything else. It cannot be for he's the father God. Church should be seen as a family. That's what John saw it as. I'm not going to deviate from John. Anyone want to deviate from John? No, there's some wisdom. No one wants to deviate from John. Look, the guy who was at the Last Supper, who was at the cross, who laid next to Jesus, come on, who's having the revelation, don't deviate from him. We're going to stay right where he is. 
I, John, I'm your brother. Number one in your notes. I have a question for you. Do you see the church as family? Do you see this church as family? Because if you don't, and I say this in all humility, and if you're new here, I understand that. You know, you you don't know these people very well. But if you don't, you are not living the John lifestyle, and you cannot experience the great I am like he did. He's your brother. He looks at every one of these churches, and he says, I'm your brother. I'm stuck here on this island, but I love you. I'm thinking about you, and everything that I can possibly do Everything that I can possibly do to help you, I'm going to do. My heart is there even though I'm stuck on a big rock. I'm your brother. Let me ask you a question. I had to soul search this myself this week. When you drive by church, not only this one. He's not talking about only this church, right? Because this church is what he's talking about. But he's talking about all Christians everywhere, every church that calls the name of the Lord. Whether it's the most conservative little Baptist church that's doing hymnals, or whether it's the Pentecostals, and right now they're dancing still in church. Whatever spectrum, who Christ is their Savior, the Word of God is eternal, and they call on the name of the Lord for salvation alone. That's what I'm talking about in that spectrum. We're not going to go outside of Christ. You go outside of Christ, and that's not his church, because we are in Christ. You're only his church if you're in him. So let me ask you a question. I thought about this. Because I drive around and I pray and stuff. These are the churches, and I thought, when I drive past that church, is there nothing but family love in my heart? I had to think about it. Is there any frustration or anger or bitterness, or do I have anything bad to say about anyone in the family of God? Pastor Stephen got convicted, and I said, Oh, Lord, I have in the past said some negative things about the family of God. May I never do it again. Amen? God will bless us with this when we're faithful with the small. Will he give us more? Amen. I got to be faithful with the small. You want to be faithful with me? Come on. I'm your brother. I see this as a family. Christians, we must see the people of God as family. We must. It is the biblical picture, and we dare not get off in any other way. As a Revelation 1-4, it is written to all the churches. Families have priority. My family is priority. And in my family has priority, right? My wife has priority over my children. My children have priority over this family. But this is still my family. And I have to see it like that. That means I'm faithful to the best of my ability. That I'll love and I'll build up. I, I understand why Paul repeatedly said, my ministry has been given to me to build up and not to tear down. Because when he walked in through every single church, this is my home. And dare I pull down my own home? Dare I destroy it with my mouth, the most powerful thing I have on this planet? No, I build my home up. Anyone want to go into their house with a sledgehammer and just start busting holes in the wall? My kids do that accidentally sometimes. (laughs) Would that be horrible? Let me just go in and start busting holes in the wall. We would never do. That's a crazy person. Like, oh, my goodness, that's going to hurt. Your HSA is going to find you. <laughs> it's going to hurt the resale value. So as God's people, we have a holy fear that say, I'm not going to go in and bust holes in the wall in anything. Now, with a family too on the other end, we can talk. It's real. There's a problem if there's an issue with whatever. We love each other. We can talk. We can have this conversation. Let me show you the way Paul said it in Ephesians 3.13. 
Now, this is what's so great about this. This is Paul praying. We have Jesus praying. We have Peter praying. We have John praying. We have Paul praying. It's so good to have the prayers of God's people. We got David praying. You can't find a man or woman of God in the Bible that it's not recorded in all that God wanted recorded in all of human history. He's got hundreds, probably thousands of prayers in here, right? Over and over and over. So let's listen to this prayer. Ephesians 3, we'll start in 13. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart in my tribulation. For you, which is your glory, verse 14, for this reason of these tribulations, of these difficulties, family, for this reason, I what? I bow my knees. Come on, is is he praying? To the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom the what? The whole family is named. Oh, wait, not even on this planet. It's a bigger planet. It's even bigger than that. In heaven and named and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with how many of the saints? Every one of them. Paul was used so mightily by God because Paul loved every single one of them both Jew and Gentile, young and old, slave and free, black and white, rich and poor. And that is why God gave him such influence. All the saints, what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, The power that works in us is being rooted and grounded in love. That's what he just said, right? Is this supernatural family that's existing in a broken, shattered, fragmented world where everyone doesn't like someone else, but not here. But not here. Okay, that's a little much for the first point. I'm going to calm that one down. That was too much for the first point. Verse 21. To him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ For how many generations will they be a family? All generations. He sees prophetically through time that this thing is going to last a long time. Oh, God, make them a family in every generation. In every church, in every generation, there should be supernatural unity functioning in here. Amen? Come on now, we're talking about it. We've got it. We're praying for it. We're looking at it. We're looking for it. Thank you, Lord. To all generations, forever and ever. And then he ends it with amen. Hey, that's not a byproduct. That means let it be so. That means I put my stamp of approval on it. Oh, God, let it be so. Amen, he says. All right, let's go back to the revelation. I, John, I'm your brother. But I'm even more than that. I'm, or really, I'm coupled, not more than, but I'm, I'm in addition to And companion, okay? Companion means faithful to the end. That's the picture. Faithful to the end. You got a a brother that's just with you to the end? You got a a friend, a sister that's just, I mean, you're just friends, right? And companion, literally faithful to the end, okay, in what? In In the tribulation and the kingdom and the patience, your Bible may say perseverance, 
of Jesus Christ. I'm a companion in tribulation. I'm a companion in the kingdom. That's ministry, right? In the kingdom work. And I'm a companion to obey and serve Jesus till my dying day, till I don't have any more breath. Number two on your notes. Christians are built to be faithful in adversity. We are built for it. Come on. We are built to be faithful in adversity. The world's faithful when it's all wine and roses. They're all faithful when everything's good. But when there's an issue, that's when the world, or when a, 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 um, you could say a carnal mindset, an immature mindset, they just fall apart. But Christians are built supernaturally for faithfulness in adversity. In adversity. With friends, with ministry, and above all, with Christ. This is throughout the whole Bible. Let me show you a couple of scriptures here. This is Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother, what is he built for? What's he born for? Adversity. He's built for it. He's got the Spirit of the Lord in him that will empower him to do that contrary to his own fallen nature. He's built for it. Let me show you one other scripture here. This is in Proverbs also, 28.1. The wicked flee when no one pursues. A shadow scares them, but not us. What are we? But the righteous are as bold as a lion. A lion can handle adversity, can't they? They are lion-like. They stand strong. Christians are built to be faithful in adversity. Come on, look at your spouse. Say, faithful in adversity. Faithful. Let me tell you what happened to me. Uh... Larry and Linnell, they're not here today. They listen to these sometimes. Hi, Larry and Linnell. Y'all know them. They're leaders here and prayer team and ushers and greeters and all that. Well, they joined us. We're about a year old when they started. And I've known Larry and Linnell since I was like 17, actually 16. I used to teach their girls when they were in middle school. And I knew back then, Larry and Linnell knew the Lord and they knew the Word. Like, you're not going to pull anything over their eyes. They, they, they pray and they read their Bible consistently, right? They're just solid. When I think of Larry and Linnell, Larry and Linnell I think solid. So they get here, and they had been here just a couple of few weeks. And it was a, look, the first few years of planting a church, it's hard, okay? There's no other way to say it. Maybe other guys are better at it, whatever, but it's hard. So I'm preaching on a Sunday, and I'm going to tell you, I laid an egg. I mean, I wanted it to end, okay? (laughs) I thought, you know what? I'm just going to skip through this and pray. We need it. We're done. That's it. It just, I couldn't, didn't put it together. I didn't work hard. I didn't pray hard enough. You ever had a bad day at work? We all had those, right? You understand. And I, I, uh, I finished and I ended it, and you know, it was like 11.02, and Larry and I were sitting right there where they always are. And I looked up and I saw them sitting there, and the first thought that came through my mind, I'm like, they're gone. They know the word, and they know what I just did. They're gone. And I got right here. Sorry, sorry. I got right. He met me right there. Right there on that line, he put his arm around me. He said, I want to tell you I love you, and we're not going anywhere. Right there. That's a special place to me. I love that carpet right there. (laughs) Now I'm going to tell you, you be a friend. 
You be a Christian who's built for adversity. It brings glory and honor to him. It will pick up the wounded and broken. Did he not come to bind up the wounded? Did he not come to, 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 to heal the sick? You, you are built for adversity. You're made for it. The Spirit of God is in you to do those things. Amen? All right. Wow, that was heavier than point one. Didn't mean it to be. <laughs> People is one of God's main tool in adversity. Let me say this again. People are God's main encouragement. And I hate to say main is a great encouragement. God above all in adversity. I want to show you this. 2 Corinthians 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5 and 6. For indeed, that means like for the truth, for real, guys. When we came to Macedonia, this is Paul, the great Paul talking. Our bodies had no rest. That is a rough week. But we were troubled on how many sides? Wow. You cannot even find a hole to crawl in. Outward were conflicts. Inward were fears. There are outward issues pushing on me. Attacks, misinformation. I got Roman authorities. I've got Jewish leaders. I've got all these issues. And inside, I'm in turmoil. What does it say? He doesn't pull any punches. I was scared. I was afraid. And not I, we. That's a group of people. When we came to Macedonia, my, my group rolled up in there, and we're apostles and signs and wonders, but I'm telling you, this scared us six ways. Oh, we were afraid. Inside were fears. Nevertheless, in, it doesn't matter what was going on. Nonetheless, God who comforts the downcast comforted us. How did he do it? He brought a man who was built for adversity. Someone with the Spirit of the Lord on the inside of them. Someone who had the Word of God inside of them and lifted them up. Come on now. That's who God, that's your destiny. That's who God's called you to be. That's what He's spoken over you. Coming, comforted us by the coming of Titus who blew wind in our sails. We need to understand, okay, Lord, I'm built for adversity. Amen? Amen. Let God fill you with that. God, give us the spirit of Titus. Lord, let that happen in us. We're built for adversity. Adversity and in tribulation, adversity in local church ministry. Look, I know this isn't easy all the time. Where's, where's uh, Heather's in here? I don't even know. She's somewhere. She was throwing up in the middle of the night last night. I probably shouldn't have said that. Just take that off the recording. She was here. She's built for adversity. We need to be built for adversity. We need to understand that. Now, look, if you're projectile vomiting and you really want to come, I'll give you a bucket in the front. But you can stay home, okay? <laughs> God, she prayed. She said, Lord, please strengthen me. And the Lord raised her up middle of the night. She was okay. Let's keep looking. We're still in verse 9. Okay. So three things in tribulation, so in difficulty, in the kingdom, in ministry. Be involved in ministry, in the kingdom. Have your hand in ministry, whatever it is in your local church. Do something here. Everyone needs to be doing something, amen? Everyone doing something because no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. 
All right, what is he in that? Bring that up first, uh, Revelation 1.9. Was on the island that is called Patmos. Was on the island that is called Patmos. Why was he there, he said? He knew. Not because of the Roman government. Not because it's not fair. Not because I want to go to heaven 10 years ago, oh Lord, and my back hurts and my knees hurt and I'm still on this island. Oh, and they're trying to get me to lift marble. That's hard. I don't care if you're young. Why was he there? For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I'm on this rock by no man's hand, but in obedience to my Savior. I'm here for the word of God. And I'm here as we all are. You are on this planet chiefly for one reason. The testimony of Jesus Christ, which is glory and honor to the Father. Amen? Let me ask you another question, number three on your notes. What is the depth of your obedience? John had no depth to his obedience. He stayed longer on this planet than any of the apostles. That means he obeyed longer than any of them had to. They were martyred. It's over. He had to obey longer than any first century Christian. Than any of the original, the apostles of that group. He had to obey longer. What's the depth of my obedience? Man, I was convicted this week. You spend time in the Word of God and don't let up and you just stay at it and stay at it. Oh, it'll come alive. Stephen, what's the depth of your obedience? Do you have a depth? Is there anything that's, nope, I'm not doing that. That's a good question for us all, right? It's not a convicting thing. It's things I want to be closer to Jesus and I want to be like him. And I only pass this way once. So all the good I can do in life, let me do it now. So I got a text on Thursday. At 10.04 a.m., while I'm editing, Thursday's my edit day, and I was working on this and looking at it and saying, oh, God, I need a sermon illustration. Please help me. I need one. I'm joking. I wasn't doing that. Sometimes. 10.04, I get a text from my wife. Now, you know, we just I, I talk about it. we have kids, a lot of them. We just had a fifth kid, and we were looking for a bigger house, possibly. Even we have, but we're blessed. We have a great house, and a, it's great where we live. Everything's great, but it even seems small when you have seven people in there. So we're praying and looking and saying, you know, my my wife texts me. She just gets this like Holy Ghost. I don't know revelation out of the blue. There's no prep. The one before is like, where's the passy? <laughs> I'm serious. Where's the passy? <laughs> go get us. Go. Do they sell those at Costco by the 100 pack? All right. What if we talk to our kids about downgrading our home and moving in a much less expensive four-bedroom home with the specific purpose of doing family mission trips every single year? Now I'm going to tell you. You find a lady who just had five kids who is, one's in the closet. It's okay, it's a nice closet. It's a nice closet. I painted it myself. And says, you know what? Can we do something smaller and cheaper? If every year, if every year, if every year, 
we can bring our kids to proclaim the gospel. If every year we can give them a heart for the world. If every year they can see the church in other parts of the world, which will change your life. It wasn't missions that changed my life. It was seeing the people of God on five continents. That changed me. That's what changes you. You see the people of God on five continents, you'll be changed. Now I'm going to tell you, I thought, first thought, okay, that's a good illustration. That was my first thought. My second one was, oh Lord, I am so blessed because the depth of her obedience, oh, it's deep. Can I get a smaller house? And remember, we're homeschool. Those kids are there all the time. I mean, they don't ever leave. Even when we lock that, the back door and lock them in the backyard. Oh, I said that out loud, didn't I? They still find a way in. <laughs> I, I help me, Lord, today. They're there all the time. And she says, can I get something smaller? Come on now. I was on the island of Patmos on a rock 10 miles by 6 for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ because obedience beats in my heart because I want that above anything else. Amen? Come on. Verse 12. So he's going to talk about, say, he says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Now, this is the second time he says it. The first time was a proclamation. The second time is going to turn more personal. Verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice that was proclaiming to the whole world. It was standing on Mount Sinai and and speaking to the whole world. Mm -mm. What did John say? There was as a trumpet and a sound His voice was like many waters. His hair was white like wool and his face shone like the sun in all of its in its strength and his eyes were like a flame of fire. He said, no, he actually was just talking to me. Just some of the the, um, translations say to me. This one says with me. This is personal revelation for one Christian from his savior. We make it so huge and so great. And it is. It's the eternal word of God. It's special revelation. We know that. But I'm going to tell you. God's got personal revelation. From him to you. From him to you. I don't care if you're 96 years old. From him to you. From him to you. At every age and every stage of your life. Every age and every stage. Oh, that voice that changes everything. Number four in your notes. His voice changes any environment. Everything on Patmos chains for John is his favorite place. <laughs> From a marble pit to, oh, I don't want to leave this place. Now, the book of Revelation is most probably parallel um, revelations. It probably wasn't all at once. This is my belief that it was four different revelations all on the island of Patmos. When you, when you read Revelation 4.1, it says, I was, you know, went up. Which, this is in the spirit on the Lord's day. He went up into heaven. The angel called him up. And then if you read, I think, chapter 12, it, you can see it seems to be parallel. One after the other revelations, not all at once. probably have to come up for air on that stuff don't you think (laughs) you have to come up for air 
I, I would think that your brain would explode. So um, I was reading this and studying this, and, and this is a great thing. It's an honor to be able to preach the word, but it's also highly convicting, right, for me because I'm sitting in, sitting in it all day long. So I'm reading this, and I got really convicted. Y'all know I'm a history guy, and I'm a bit of a stats guy. I'm a history guy. That's my this field of study, history of Christianity, all that stuff. And I'm a bit of a stats guy. I'm one of those stats, one of those stats. So uh, Taylor and I were talking a few weeks ago, and the new statistic is that a committed church member goes to church 1.6 times a month. 1.6 times a month. Now, you talk about some depressing stats for pastors. <laughs> it's like, oh, my times a month, that's a half a service and once a month doing children's ministry. We're in trouble. (laughs) And I was reading this. You see, because this is greater than stats or figures or cultures or anything else. And the Lord began to convict me. Say, Stephen, I don't know what you're going to believe. But I would stop believing stats and start saying, That his voice changes everything. That I don't care what the environment is around you. I don't care if you're on a big rock with a bunch of thieves. When I get there, when I speak, when I encounter my people, everything changes. See, his environment, his voice changes any environment. And the Lord convicted me. Stephen, stop talking about how hard church is, or this, or 1.6 times a month, or it's not the charismatic renewal, or any of that. I'm the God of eternity. Serve me and obey me. That's what God wants Christians to do in the 21st century, as this is going on with uh, perversion and, and sexual issues and identity and political and everything. God steps up and says, serve the King of glory. That's what we're to do. Make Him everything. Obey Him in all things, and you'll flourish. I don't care where you are. Now, if you think this is just spiritually high-minded, in, excuse me, cntraveler.com. This is a popular travel website, apparently. (laughs) cntraveler.com. Are you ready for their headline? Why Patmos should be the island you visit next. I'm not making this up. I'm going to show you some pictures. This is the first picture. Oh, that's Patmos. I don't know what's happened there. Well, I'll tell you what's happened. I'll tell you through the history. So Patmos obviously was a mostly rocky island full of marble. But God came there. Boy, it got popular, right? For the good and bad, you know, if if there's a, you know, I mean, I know people like buy Cheetos that look like the Virgin Mary for like $1,000. That's not God. But God came there. So people came. So they planted trees, they did this, they did that. There's a huge monastery, thank you, monastery that sits where they believe the cave of John was. There's over 3,000 people live on the island now, or right around there. I'm telling you, I want two fishing poles and a big glass of iced tea. Oh, come on. Two, one on each side, and a big glass of ice. Baby, is that a good day? Come on. That's a good, great day for me. She's like, eh, with a book. (laughs) That's Patmos. That looks pretty nice, doesn't it? Let me show you another picture. This is a tourist picture. I mean, it's a tourist place. Ships go there all the time. It's like, it's like a Virgin Islands. They got cruise ships that dock there. Look at that thing. Parasailing, snorkeling, diving. Come on. Church mission trip? Huh? Huh? 
2020? Oh, come on. I'm being, oh, Lord, you've spoken. You have spoken to us all. Patmos it is. Is that not beautiful? Let's look at one more. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That is what I'm talking about. You see, the voice of the Lord changes every environment. Every environment, even 2,000 years later, just about. Every environment, every single one, it changes. It'll change your mind. It'll change your words. It'll change your home. It'll change it all. Let's stand up. One more scripture, and I'm going to just give you all a little history. This is Revelation 1.10. I was in the Spirit when? On the Lord's day. And when I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, oh, a voice came. A proclamational voice came. Now let me explain this. Remember, John was the pastor in, at Ephesus. By this time in history, the Jews, because it's almost 100 years that Jesus had been born, died at 33 or, or, or AD 30, depending on your, your calendar. This is 95. The Jews have pushed all the Christians out of the synagogues. They're not in the synagogues anymore. The Christians have realized we can't change the synagogues. They just started home churches and everything else. The reason they didn't have churches like this is because they would have been persecuted. I talk to Christians all the time who just ask, excuse me, not all the time. I have talked to Chinese Christians who have just said, what is it like to do this? What is it like not to have to meet in a basement underground and whisper? Look, we're unbelievably blessed. So the Jews had pushed the Christians out. They're in all their little groups. On the Lord's Day, now we know the Jewish uh, Sabbath is Saturday, right? It's Saturday. But at this time, when he says this, he's not talking about Saturday. He's actually talking about today. Let me tell you why. Because they had something called Emperor's Day. It was the first day of the week. What, what is today? The first day of the week, right? It was Emperor's Day because emperor was more than just a political or military leader. He was a godlike figure off, off, often. He was seen as a deity. And he said, I'm sorry, but no, 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 no. The Christian said, no, 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 I know Jesus, you're not him, <laughs> in a humble, humble way. <laughs> so John says, I want to tell you, I got in the spirit on the Lord's day. And even though I was a church unto myself, it's possible he had some disciples there. The Lord came to me just like he did in Ephesus just like he does with all of his people throughout all of history. And his spirit comes and gives revelation. Do not think that this is some ritual. This is some duty. Well, this is what we do. This is the spirit on the Lord's day. Amen? Come on. Okay, that's three times intense. No more. <laughs> we need to understand what we're doing here. You need to understand the power of this and the honor and the glory that you're giving God for this. That on the Lord's day, you come to his presence and you say he's worthy of all glory and all honor and all power and praise. And every Lord's day, I'm going to get in the spirit. And that's what I do. 
Amen? Now that'll change a family, a mind, a mouth, a culture. That'll change a community. Y'all want to do it? Don't worry about what Patmos looks now in your life. Oh, he'll change it. He does miracles with Patmos. I don't care if your life looks like a rocky hole in the ground. He does miracles with rocky holes in the ground. I don't care about what your bank account looks like, your body looks like. He does miracles. Amen? Come on, let's come to that same God right now. Right now. Come on, let's come to him. I don't, I don't want to have church. Play us something. Lead us in some worship. I don't want to come here without getting in the spirit on the Lord's day. Amen. Come on, we got we got a few minutes. Let's get in the presence of the Lord. He said if two or more gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. You don't have to work your way in or knock and knock and knock and knock and knock. And just open up your life. Open up your heart. Open up your mind. Say, I want to be in the spirit on the Lord's day. This day, just like John was. I want to crawl, call these people around me, brothers and sisters. And every Christian around the whole world, I want to call them brother and sister. Come on, get in the spirit on the Lord's day. This isn't some ritual or exercise. Come on, get in the spirit if you're in adversity. It changes everything. Holy Spirit, we ask that you just come right now. We're asking you, Holy Spirit. We want to be in the Spirit on the Lord's day. If you need prayer for anything, come up. You need to just be in the front, be in the front. Come on, let's worship. Let's worship. Worship.
the Spirit of the Lord bears witness with your spirit that you are His. This is communion. This is relationship right now. As you and He commune together. earnestly to be removed from the island because God says not until my will is complete and know that John did return he didn't die on that island but not until the will of God was fully done in his life so you tell him you trust him and as we close let's sing that one last time I trust you and no more will you speak again to escape or run. We trust you. Come on, seal it in your we heart. Trust you. Tell them. Your ways You'll find the freedom higher than in these words, not an escape from the island. We trust this is where you'll find freedom, right here. We trust you. Your 
This is where the Spirit of the Lord comes. Not escaping from the island. Right here. Right here. Right here. In these words. to come together with Christians and be on the Spirit in the Lord's day as a great and high honor. It's a great and high honor. And if we see it as anything else, if I see it as anything else, I am wrong. And I repent, Lord, as anything but a great and high honor. Thank you, Lord, that you are changing us on whatever island we're on, because when you come, the environment changes. We will change our attitude. We are being molded to be like Jesus, who loves his church in every age, in every way. We are made and ready for adversity, for we are built for it. Lord, we thank you that our obedience right now as a group we decide knows no depths. We will not hold anything back Our obedience has no depths. We're happy and honored to be anywhere and everywhere you've called us to be. Thank you, Jesus. In the name above all names, oh, the sovereign only Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. And everyone said, amen and amen. Now praise him. Come on, praise him. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Come on. That's church. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. Have a great day.